Amen. Amen. God is awesome. And he's a great God. He's a faithful God throughout all generations. And we're going to pray now. It looks better this way. Okay. All right. Centralize it and try to share my screen. Before that, let's pray. Everlasting Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence and study your word. We thank you for always being faithful, even when we are not there yet. We thank you for your love and your protection your mercies, your revelation of yourself to those who seek to know you. I say, be thou glorified in the name of Jesus. In any way I've sinned against you, please forgive me and cleanse me. And the ladies that will be joining also, God, wash us clean with your blood and give us the grace of God to stand before your presence, acceptable before you in the name of Jesus. Even as we go along, Lord, we ask that you would Honor us with your presence because we can, if we gather here and you're not with us, it's going to be futile. We want to hear from you, God. We want to renew our strength. We want the word of God to cleanse us, so God, with water. We want the water of the word to cleanse us, so God, of every sin, to expose every weakness, so God, to make us closer to being like Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name of prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. So we are going to start right now and I am going to share my screen. But before that, I want to recap what we learned last week. We learned about Elijah. So we're still on Elijah. And if I pull up my notes real quick, we learned a lot of things about Elijah and we stopped. Um, we stopped, we didn't finish explaining what um, God had revealed to us about Elijah. And so now we will continue. And I pray that as we continue, God will give us the grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. So, um, the background is the fact that Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17 pronounced, like, made a proclamation on the land of Israel in that time that there wouldn't be rain in the land. And he was also affected by the no rain situation. So he went somewhere and there was no food for him and God brought a, a bird, a raven to feed him. And also God asked him to drink from the brook of water. After some times, the brook dried up. And then, sorry about the noise in the background. After some time, the brook dried up and he didn't know what to do, but God showed up. God told him what to do. And that was awesome because the Bible didn't tell us that Elijah prayed and asked God what's next, right? The Bible is always detailed about what exactly happened. But the Bible didn't tell us that Elijah prayed to God. Immediately the brook dried up. God said, Elijah, 
go to this village where you will see the widow. I have prepared her to, to minister to you, to feed you during the time of the famine. Excuse me. And so that was God's command for Elijah. Go to the village. And there was a woman there instructed to feed you. I have instructed a woman to feed you and to take care of you. But guess what? When Elijah gets, got to the um, village and saw a widow woman, a widow, he, he asked her for food. And she was like, I don't have food for you. Imagine the only food I have is the one that my son and myself would eat and we will die. And Elijah was um, trying to convince the woman that make this food for me. In 1 Kings 17, 14, it says, for the Lord God of Israel says that there will always be plenty of flour and oil in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops grow again. So Elijah was trying to convince this woman that, yes, there will be food for you. There'll be food for you. Just make this food for me and have faith. And we linked that to God telling us to give him our will. Give him your will. Don't hold on to it. And therein lies your fulfillment of purpose. When you give God your will, you will fulfill his purpose for your life. And that is God, what God is telling us right now. We also linked it last week to the woman at the well of Samaria. So the, this woman at the well did not expect Jesus to speak with her because she was a Samaritan woman. And Jesus spoke to her, right? Jesus spoke to her, uh -huh, and she was shocked. So we also linked it to Jesus speaking to us. We gave this analogy of um, a warehouse that produced a lot of fabric and made mistake cutting 8 billion fabrics. So 8 billion fabrics were miscut mis or mismade. There was a mistake in the settings and this 8 billion fabrics were supposed to be destroyed or recycled. And the manufacturer wouldn't even talk to us just like Jesus wouldn't even talk to the woman in Samaria because she was not worthy to be talked to. So um, that was how we related it last week. The woman at the well did not expect Jesus to talk to her. And we should not expect God to talk to us. I read somewhere that Albert Einstein believed there was a God, but did not believe that the God would be interested in our affairs as human beings. <laughs> you know, but that's a lie because God that created the heavens and the earth made us specially and is actually interested. So as smart as he was, Albert Einstein with the IQ, um, he didn't even think to give this analogy, right? We are complex beings. We are human beings made in a special way. We are at the top of the food chain, like the higher hierarchy. And imagine a, a or oh, an inventor 
that made a computer or a supercomputer or a smart computer, um, not interested in the affairs of the computer. Even as small as a computer is, an inventor would be interested in what goes on in the computer's life, how the computer is functioning, if it's progressing. How much more us, complex beings, God has said it over and over again. Yes, compared to him, right? Compared to God Almighty, we are this tiny speck in the galaxy, but he made us aware that he loves us and is interested in us and he created us. So that is, um, that is what made Jesus to look our way and say, 8 billion people, oh my God, you have to be saved. You would not be destroyed. I will die for you. I will come and take your punishment. And that is um, what, that is what happened. Jesus turned to us and decided to save us. The same way Jesus <clears throat> talked to the Samaritan woman, but what did she need to do? She needed to give him her will. She needed to give Jesus her will. Give me a drink. You need to give Jesus something in order for him to help you. And that is your will, not money, not, not um, any material thing because he gave everything to us, right? The only thing he gave us that he wants back is our free will. He gave us free will to choose. He wants us to actually choose him and surrender that will to him so that he can save us. That's the only way he can save us. He cannot save us if our will is still with us because in order for you to live this life, yes, after salvation, after you give your life to Jesus Christ, because you are, because we are in this flesh, we live in this body that is, um, is frail and can be led to temptation at any time. Our body is frail. So every second we need to give God our will to choose him. It's not easy to choose him even after you've given your life to Christ because there are so many temptations. You might have given your life to Christ at the age of seven, but from year one to seven, the old man has taught you as much as he could teach you. A baby knows how to say no and disobey even from an early age. And that's why you still need, you've learned a lot of things from the old man man some people give their life to christ at age 20 and they've learned a lot of things from the old man and they've learned all these things they have to unlearn it yes jesus christ took the punishment for all these things but he did not take the mastery right man is made to make such a way that we can master things we can master lie lies we can master sin we can master um skills like driving or weaving basket we master things so when you master all the things the old man has taught us we need to unmaster them after we've come to christ and so unmastering them means daily working with god and giving him our will we have to give him our will and say god i want to will and do of your good pleasure so take my will and control me Romans says that be slaves to righteousness. So now instead of being slaves to sin, something you can be addicted to is righteousness. You can be slave to righteousness, be slave to uh, doing right or doing God's will. That's the best addiction to be slave to doing God's will, be a robot again. That is the only way we can be safe from this body. Be a robot to, to God. 
That is the only way you can be saved from sin and Satan. That is the only way. That is the only good addiction, being addicted to doing God's will. And so God wants our will every day, every second, every moment. So when he asks the woman, give me a drink, looks like giving him a drink. But when he said in John 4, in conversation with the Samaritan woman, I hope I'm not um, confusing you, but just go along with me. So in John 4, in conversation with the Samaritan woman, um, God said, give me a drink. And she gave Jesus, uh, she, she was hesitant at first. And Jesus had to inform her of her choices. Like, if you knew who was speaking to you, you would ask him for everlasting water, living water, everlasting life. And so that will is what God needs from us in order to um, give us everlasting life. And guess who, who else needs our will? The devil, he needs our will. And the funniest thing is that the devil is the only, so there's, there's a saying, if you don't serve the if you don't serve the God, the right, the God on the right, you will serve the gods that's left, the God that's left. So if you don't choose God, you automatically choose the devil. That's just the, the thing. Because the devil is here to steal. Stealing means taking what does not belong to the person. The thieves don't need your permission to steal your property. The devil doesn't need your permission to steal your soul. Just don't keep your soul properly. Just don't lock your doors. Don't keep your credit card safe. Keep your pins and passwords open to the world. Then the thief will steal it. So don't safeguard your life with Christ. Just, just when you live your life without Christ, the devil snatches it. The devil is the God that is left. Excuse me. <clears throat> so the devil is the God that is left. That is why the devil will take your will and he has been taking our will since we were born. So the, God wants us to take our will back and give it to him. He has been taking our will without our notice because he was here before any of us. He was here before Adam. He was cast down from heaven before Adam and Eve. And he was here before any of us. I pray that God will give us wisdom on, on this scripture and how to like, understand it so we have to move forward from here or else we'll stay on elijah for a long time so my notes here i have that this woman finally that is the woman the widow The widow of Zarephath, yes, the widow of Zarephath. This woman finally agreed to do as the man of God had pleaded and asked her to do. And verse 15 says, Elijah stayed with the widow. I'm reading first, or I'm explaining the commentary on 1 Kings 17, verse 15. Elijah stayed with the widow, enjoying God's provision for her for many, many days. And almost three years, as it were. And verse 17 says that sometime later, the woman's son 
fell sick and died. That, that was sad, right? And something happened all of a sudden. And the man of God panicked. <laughs> In 18, she said, oh, man of God, she cried. What have you done to me? Have you come here to punish my sins by killing my son? And in verse 19, Elijah said, give him to me, give him to me. Let me go with God, give it to me. And Elijah replied, and he took the boy's body from her and carried it upstairs to the guest room where he lived and laid the body on his bed and, and then cried out to the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, why have you killed the son, the son of this widow woman? Sorry, this widow with whom I am staying and he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried out to the Lord, oh Lord, my God, please let this child's spirit return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the spirit of the child returned and he became alive again. Then Elijah took him downstairs and gave him to his mother. See, he's alive, he beamed. So Elijah was excited <laughs> that, oh my God, thank God, he woke up. So see, he's alive, he beamed. Now, in verse 24, 1 Kings 17, 24, Elijah said, now I know for sure that you are, a, uh, the woman said, now I know for sure that you are a prophet, she told him afterwards, and that whatever you say is from the Lord. So, What I have in my notes right now is that for her to blame the mind of God for what happened to her son, um, she probably believed, this is what came to me while I was reading, that it was possible for the man of God's presence in our house to, um, to rain God's judgment upon her past sins. So it's like, probably she, she felt like this man of God in my house. I hope I don't, like, I'm sure the whole time the man of God was in a house, she was like cautious of sinning against God, right? Because of a statement here says, a statement here says that, why have you come to rain God's judgment upon my past sin? So she has been cautious, like, oh my God, this man of God is here and I must not sin or else I will get the consequences for sin. But the truth is that the man of God's presence should not be the only reason why you should not sin. If you want to check yourself as a believer, the, the one, one proof that you are a child of God would be the voice of God in your heart, always warning you and keeping you from sin. The Holy Spirit in your heart, always warning you. And one proof that you're a child of God is you your response to the the warning the holy spirit in your heart so when the holy spirit tells you about this and you respond positively and you overcome that sin and that temptation you heal to god and read your bible and pray whenever you are tempted you respond in such a way that you pray intensely and rebuke and bind the enemy and the tempter you flee from the situation that shows that you're a Christian. That shows that you're born again. You hate sin. Although you are tempted because your body is weak, right? But you hate sin enough to have the grace to overcome. You used God's grace 
through reading his word and praying to overcome sin. And that is what evidence that you're a child of God. So not just the presence of a pastor in your house or the presence of uh, uh, other Christians right beside you, but the presence of God living in you should prevent you from sinning. Anyway, it looks like Elijah's presence, because of Elijah's presence, she might have feared God more than if he were not living in her house. So because when something finally happened to her, she pointed to the man of God and said, I think because you're here, God wants to punish me for my past sins. Now, verse 19, Elijah did not argue about the accusation. He just wanted everything to go back to normal so fast. He ran to his room and prayed to God. And in verse 20, Elijah in turn questioned God. In 20, question God, he said, hold on, my God, why have you killed the son of this woman with whom I am staying? And you know that God doesn't like people asking questions. You have to learn from Job, right? And God doesn't answer people's questions directly. <laughs> if he doesn't want to, he gives a bigger answer to your questions. In John chapter 3, verse 48, when Demas asked, how can a man enter into his mother's womb and be born again. Instead of Jesus to explain the science of a man entering into his mother's womb and be born again, he actually gave a bigger answer that was encompassing or would answer that question. When Daniel asked God or pleaded with God to stop the... Um, the, the exile, Daniel and his friends were taken into exile from Israel into Babylon. And he prayed to God for days. Oh God, stop this, stop this. And the angel of God came to respond to his answer. And we know the story about that. And if you don't just read the book of Daniel and the angel of God came to respond to his question. However, the angel of God did not tell him, like, exactly, like, say, oh, Daniel, you have pleaded with me to shorten the time. I will shorten the time. The angel of God told him what will happen in the future, even at the end time. He told him all those things, all those things. Then at the end, he just said, don't pray about shortening the time for your exile. You are going to stay here for 17 years or so. And that is what the angel of God told him. But stop praying about it. You, your prayers cannot do that. You can prevent it. So God showed him revelation. So God doesn't, first of all, we're not supposed to question God. Second of all, because he knows what he's doing. It's an insult. Second of all, um, he won't answer you directly. Based on all the examples of the people that I've seen, like he doesn't give like a, straight answer. He gives a better answer to all questions. Job was asking God why God brought that calamity on him and God did not explain and say, God doesn't explain himself. He is, he is God. God did not say, I wanted to prove to the devil that um, you will not fall. God was like, who are you to question me? Who are you? And God was like, um, telling him, do you know where I keep all the snow? Do you know where 
the the sea monster leaves i know he's my pet right so god was like telling me all these things like so from those examples we are not question god and it's not easy sometimes because we want to know why right what what is the big picture so um elijah asked god in this time of distress um why have you like killed right why have you killed the son of the woman with whom i am staying and from seeing this i feel like um it's for the woman's faith to be strengthened because in 24 it says now i know for sure that you are a prophet and she told him afterwards and that whatever you say is from the lord so kind of strengthening her faith but what me i have discovered in these days <laughs> in the last days is that god sometimes doesn't like prove himself to to show off to people like if someone's asking you if you're a child of god then let rain fall now god doesn't really like to prove himself like that in fact or oh, some people somebody are praying some families are praying god please heal my heal the wife because she's she's dying of cancer lord if he can do this thing i'll serve you forever and all as much as the statement and the if then clause is really convincing like oh so if i heal this why he would serve me forever god does whatever he pleases and he might not heal the wife because of a greater purpose because that is his will not to do that and the old testament is kind of like has a lot of examples of god stepping in a lot the new testament on the other hand has less and less of god stepping in and more and more of christian maturity and more and more and more of, of learning how to persevere and have the fruit of the spirit in times of difficulty that is most of what the new testament is about and that is what i have learned over the years like paul was murdered he was beheaded and god did not step in yes god stepped in for john as we read um he was thrown into the pot of hot oil and god saved him from that but that is that is just john the rest of the disciples were killed in brutal ways even jesus was killed in, in a very brutal way and he went to hell to suffer for us still so in the new testament god is trying to teach us more of perseverance and not babysitting us by giving us miracles and teaching us that in no matter the situation we are we should be anxious for nothing we should trust him and love him no matter if he brings good and bad our way so job was one of a kind in the old testament because in the new testament everybody was expecting god to show elijah was expecting the woman's son to be raised to life if if he wasn't raised to life god is still god the man of god is still a man of god even if and god did not even promise the man of god did not promise the woman that her son will leave but why is she tying the fact that the son lived to the validity of the man of god so yes that doesn't erase the this fact that i read uh, that i've written down here it says people are looking for a proof that we are christians and children of god and the funniest thing is that one proof is not enough the fact that elijah made this woman wealthy in in terms of provision she had jars and jars of food and oil 
throughout the famine was not enough for her to know that Elijah was a man of God. Why? It means that human beings, we forget things easily. And as children of God, one proof is not enough to the world that we are Christians. We have to be consistent in proving our allegiance to Jesus Christ. And the funniest thing is that we should be careful not to prove it in terms of miracles and promise people that their children are going to be healed or their people that died are going to be raised to life. That is not it. The New Testament and God's word in this New Testament has taught us through the martyrs and the people that were killed for Jesus Christ that the proof of our allegiance is victory over sin. Victory over sin is the greatest miracle in this life. It's greater than the miracle of a child, dead child being raised to life. It's greater than the miracle of a cancer disappearing. Victory over sin. Sin is the deadliest cancer that kills people physically and spiritually. Cancer can kill you physically, but it, it will not kill you spiritually if you're a child of God. You will not die the second death. So victory over sin is the greatest proof to the world that we are children of God, not miracles that we can work or tongues that we can speak. And so the world will always want proof that you're a child of God, but make sure it's a proof of victory over sin. Don't go back to your sins, overcome your sin, identify your sins by reading the word of God, overcome your sins by soaking yourself in the word of God, morning, afternoon, night, whenever the Holy Spirit nudges you to leave Netflix and read the word of God, go and do it because go and do that because the Holy Spirit is seeing an imminent temptation. And that is why he's trying to keep you on top of the game on fire. That is why he's trying to tell you, read the word of God and pray because the tempter is near, right? And he wants to make sure you have victory over sin while you are living on earth. So the proof to the world that you are a man of God or prophet should be victory over sin, not by miracles. I prefer for God to give me victory over sin than to give me any of the gifts of the spirit. Because that's the best thing. Stay with me. Then I'll send you out to heal the sick. Stay with me. Then I might send you out to preach. Stay with God first. Have a relationship, a pure, clean relationship with God. And I wrote here, but what if? What if God in his wisdom had not raised the child? Paul was beheaded. Yeah, I just talked about all these things. We are looking at the notes. So sometimes God does it, does what he pleases. And that should not be a measure of our status in God. Yeah. So why did the woman doubt? Forgetfulness. That's what I wrote here. Forgetfulness of the past enjoyment of the past provision from God. So the people that blame God for taking away their wives because the wife had a sickness or taking away their husband or their kid in an accident, yes, those things are painful. I don't wish it on anybody. But we should not forget when God saved us from those things, even when we didn't see it. We don't analyze our bodies to see how cells are formed. We don't know if the cancer could have been in all of us, but God protected us. So we should always thank God for everything that happens. It's sad, yes. Time to cry, ask God why. Try not to ask God why, because he knows best. I'm going to 
bring this Bible study to a close because the next set of notes is for chapter 18. And I believe that we can start that in the next meeting. And I, yeah, so, so I believe that we all have been blessed. I have been blessed and encouraged. And I pray that we will continue to be blessed even as we read the word of God. Don't let it stop here. Read the word of God. Pray. Be close to God. And I pray that God will see us through our Christian journey and help us to stand strong for him. I'm going to pray right now to end and bless our week. Everlasting Father, we thank you for your word. We just concluded 1 Kings 17, the story of Elijah, the widow. We thank you for the lessons that you have given us to learn there. We ask that you would please let this word change our lives. Help us to mortify every sin that is preventing us from shining your light and proving to the world that we are saved and we are for you, Jesus. Help us, O oh God, to value victory over sin than being used for miracles and signs and wonders, O oh God. Help us to have victory over sin and Satan. Indeed, even as we have already, you've already taken the punishment for our past sins, O oh God, help us not to punish you again by committing more sins, oh God. Help us not to make mockery of your suffering in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you because you are God. Help us to fully understand your word day by day as we leave, as we read. We have a lot of questions, but help us to find the answers even as we dig deep into your word. We ask that you bless our week. Lord, I thank you for the victory that you're giving me in particular. I thank you very much for the victory you've given to me. I give you praise. I ask that you give similar victories, oh God, to people listening and victory all the way around, physically, spiritually, in their careers, in their health. But please give them victory in the name of Jesus Christ and receive the glory, oh God. Let our week be blessed. Let us have testimonies and we love you, God. We are covered with the blood of Jesus. We ask that you keep us in the hole of your hands. You keep us um, in the You'll be a refuge for us and a very present help in times of trouble so that when we are, help us to maintain your presence with us so that when we maintain your presence, you will see the trouble before us and you protect us. You, when we maintain your presence, you will see the temptation before us and you will remind us to read your word. We thank you because you are God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So we are done with today's Bible study. But that doesn't mean you should not read your Bible. Read your Bible every day, every day, and every day, every night before bed. God wants to be the first thing you, you wake up to and the last thing you think about before bed. So enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye.